Well, welcome here. I'm glad you all could make time to join us this morning. You have the privilege of listening to me versus Andrew, but I'm looking forward to, to talking to you guys. I've found out about helping Andrew out with, with teaching about a month and a half ago, and, and you always think you've got tons and tons of time to get something ready. We went away camping the week before last. I'm like, I got oodles of time to be ready. I got all this figured out. It's going to be no problem. Abilene and I sat at the trailer for a whole day and did literally nothing but get bit by a couple of mosquitoes. That, that's it. That's all we did. We sat on our chairs. We watched this other couple right beside us move all over the place and move heaven and earth for these two little kids. And we just sat there with our hands and we ate. And it was quite rewarding, actually, too to see that scenario so <laughs> our kids were at bottom camp but anyways long story short i finished this up last night between 9 30 and one o'clock because that's just the way schedules go <laughs> as you can see my best plan is to have a day figured out but then life happens and it is what it is i won't go down that rabbit trail so my sermon today for you is seeking a deeper relationship with god uh, i think our church has been on a an amazing journey probably since the beginning of the year, between taking, uh, spending time in Revelation, uh, taking on uh, a prayer focus with, with fasting, with, with, service, uh, with service opportunity in behind it, specifically going to the park and, and praying for everybody. So, and then of course, uh, John and, I'm gonna forget, Char Charlene being here, what an amazing experience of engaging the Lord to a deeper level, seeing Him heal incredibly, and uh, feeling an absolute spiritual high. And that's something that I've had the privilege of experiencing in my life also. But there's also times where that spiritual high can sometimes um, will lessen over time. And what does that stage of your Christian walk look like? How do we sustain ourselves in those moments? Or how do we challenge ourselves when you're in between those amazing Christian experiences? I think about my kids in Bible camp. And first time they all got to go at the same time. Bible camp for me, I remember, was an absolute, for me, was always a real kickstart. There was an opportunity to get right with the Lord. We were with friends. I always felt really encouraged and bumped up. And then <clears throat> as an adult, it was retreats, going on retreats with uh, college and career, with men's groups, going on a couple mission trips with university friends. But that type of activity has always been something that's really, really helped me uh, bump up in my faith. So the purpose of today's sermon is about is not about specifically teaching and walking you through a passage it's about coming up with a practical means by which to help deepen your relationship with God so with that I'll get started on the slides here so I'm wondering if you guys can relate to the following two statements that I came up with I want to have a deeper relationship with God <clears throat> yet I struggle with follow-through I feel like a failure and a bad Christian because at the end of the day, a week, a Sunday morning, a month, or even a year, I didn't do any devotions, I didn't read my Bible, 
or pray like I planned or wanted. And I'm talking, if the mirror was right here, I'm talking right to myself. <clears throat> this is me, in a nutshell, quite often. And I've been a Christian since I can remember. And uh, that's, some of us in the room haven't. And you might think that the Christian, the, guy, the person that grew up in the Christian home definitely has it all together. No, I struggle big time with this area of my life as well. So that's part of talking to you too. So now I want to how, to, how to approach this. And if there's anything about the foundation of this church and the reason why I joined it or we joined it when we did is we go to Scripture. Scripture is God speaking to us and everything is there that we need to live a rich and daily and a fulfilling life. Okay, so let's turn to Scripture of some examples of some faithful people seeking a deeper relationship with God and see what we can learn by how they did it. This is the fun part. <clears throat> okay, so that's pretty small. Okay, I expected it to be a lot bigger. I'm going to have to walk you through that or I'll give that to you guys. It's even small on my screen. Okay, the first, split, the first area of a Christian walk that I thought of and, was, and gave me, made me think why, was the Old Testament. The Old Testament Israelites. What was it like to live the life of an Old Testament Israelite? Okay? When God spoke to Moses, God gave them very specific, very, very specific guidelines on what to do. Uh, the temple is, is amazing. But one other area that I, that I looked up is in Leviticus chapter 6 and 7. And this is where God commanded Moses to teach the Israelites how to bring and what he required in the area of offerings, burnt offerings. So they built a specific um, uh, altar. They had specific guidelines. So what spoke to me was, is, well, what's my life look like today? What did the life look like in the day of an Israelite? And why? So God required, and I look to this area specifically, God, God asked out of obedience of the Israelite people for five different offerings. There was a burnt offering, a grain offering, a sin offering, a guilt offering, and a fellowship offering. And they were all, like, it's, the detail is just, just amazed me as I went through it. And let me tell you what each one was. <clears throat> so a burnt offering was meant as a general sin atonement and devotion to God. And it required a specific animal or animals. Okay? Then there was the grain offering, of course, using grain. It was to uh, it was a vol a it was a voluntary expression of devotion, good and to honor goodness and providence. The sin offering, again, was asking for atonement for unintentional sin. So walking through the day and doing something that you shouldn't. Well, we all know we're sinners and it happens every day. So this was a general um, offering to say, I'm a sinner. I recognize that and I'm asking you to forgive me. Then there was the guilt offering, which was above specific monetary value. And there was a fellowship offering. And the, the animal specifically had no defect. But it was for two or more par parties to show um, 
to show respect and clear the air and to work through an issue that was between them, that game called the fellowship offering. So when I looked at these type of things, when I've thought about them, <clears throat> I always looked at them as they have such a high chance of being legalistic and a right to perform a ritual to earn grace. And that's not what they're about. They're specifically about obedience. They're acts of obedience. They're acts that God asked the Israelite family to do on a regular basis to recognize sin in their lives because the most important thing is, is to be obedient to God. They were outward expressions of desire to, to restore a relationship with God. And then, it, yeah, to basically the last statement there, relationship between God and humanity restored. So, of course, Jesus came back, came after that, died for our sins, and these all fell away. Because none of these acts could truly bridge the gap between us and God to give us access to heaven someday. But it's really interesting, in that culture, I thought, about having a deeper relationship with God was all prescribed for them, was told to them, be obedient and follow through on these acts. I thought that quite interesting. Next Bible character that I really, really like um, is King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah is talked about in 2 Kings chapters 16 to 20. And he's also talked about in 2 Chronicles 28 to 32. And the really neat thing about King Hezekiah is he came behind probably one of the most evil kings in the Old Testament. And scripture specifically describes King Hezekiah as zealous for the Lord. It specifically says he put God first in everything he did. And he kept and restored the commands that were given to Moses. So the Israelite community under their leadership had completely fallen into disarray. Lots of idol worship, child sacrifice, all that kind of stuff. King Hezekiah, when he became king and he reigned for 29 years, put an end to all that. And there is, out of interest, if you're ever interested, there is a series called Chronicles of the Kings. It's five books by Lynn Austin. I can put it up there. That is a really good read. It's... it's it's got some fiction to it, I would say. I see you nodding, Shani. Have you read it? Okay. Yeah. So, awesome series of books. One of the cool... I'm taking a little rabbit trail, and that's the way I talk. I apologize about that. But in the book, it talks about how they made the tunnel to get the water into Jerusalem so that if they were besieged, they would still get water. And I can't remember how much of the book is there, but it's totally got you on your toes till they figure it out, and it's a really cool part. But aside from that, something that the book and the Bible really brings out was King Hezekiah turned things around, sought the Lord, put him first, and all he did. One of the best stories I find out of the story about King Hezekiah is in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 13. There is an Assyrian crisis. The Assyrian army came to Jerusalem and besieged them. <clears throat> what was King Hezekiah's response in that time of stress? He went to the prophet Isaiah, seek the Lord for me and tell me what to do. The Lord spoke to Isaiah, came back to Hezekiah and said, I will deliver you. So what was, what was King Hezekiah's next thing that he did? When you read the story, 
he went to the temple and prayed. So if you had been verbally told God was going to save you, what would you do? I think my tendency would be to go sit on the chair and say, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you work here, Lord. What did King Hezekiah do? He went to the temple and he prayed. He continued to seek the Lord and seek that relationship with God. So again, he, he sought the prophet Isaiah. God replied that he's going to save them. Hezekiah still prays in the temple. God delivered them. And afterwards, glory, honor was given to the Lord as a result. There's lots more to his story, but I'm picking out specific parts for our summary that comes on the next slide. Okay. King David, one of the most well-known characters in the Bible, and for very good reason, a man after God's own heart. Lots of scripture verses talking about King David's life, 1 Samuel and in 2 Samuel. What can we take away, what can we observe from King David's life when it comes to seeking a deeper relationship with God? You see that King David frequently sought the Lord's counsel. He uh, kept his eyes on God versus the difficult circumstances. He did not take a step without consulting God. He was in submission to the Lord and in complete dependence on the Lord. And I picked out a few of the stories that are related. There was David as a shepherd. And David as a shepherd was, meant, was known to be fearless, completely relied on the Lord, took care of bears and lions. Amazing. But complete dependence on the Lord. There was Goliath, the famous story of David and Goliath. He took out the Philistine giant with a rock between the eyes. That's in uh, chapter 17. He was an outcast and a fugitive. And that's, that's probably the most reading that I did about King David, was how he sought the Lord when he was in exile from Saul. Saul was constantly chasing him. He was already anointed to be king someday. Yet, there was instances where he was called to go deliver a city. And he was sometimes worried. He was like, well, if I go deliver this city, when I save these people, are they going to deliver me to Saul? And God's answer was yes. And that was super disheartening for him and for the 600 men that helped him. But he worked through it. And God was always put first. He was always sought. And he delivered them through it. Then when he became king, there's some really great stories about David's worship. How he would fall prostrate on the ground. He danced and got in trouble for that. So he took time to worship the Lord. There was keeping the commands that uh, was given to them, uh, passed down by Moses. And there was the repentance. You can read the Psalms that David wrote about crying out to the Lord and repenting. And then he just sought a relationship of restoration often. So David sinned pretty bad with Bathsheba and her husband. And what did he do? He repented. He, uh, he also lost his one son. And that was a really amazing story to me. Um, in the essence of his son being sick, what did he do? He was completely on the ground seeking the Lord. The Lord had told him he was going to lose his son, but he still got down and he prayed all the way through it. He was then given the news that his son had passed away. He popped up and he got back to life in normal. But that was his attitude. That was how he sought, sought, um, sought the deeper relationship with God that's, that's there to be had. Now the last example would be Jesus that I picked out. 
for you guys. And again, multiple, multiple passages. And, uh, but what spoke to me, actually hit me square between the eyes, was when Stuart talked a little bit ago on his sermon, was how the disciples, and this is like an aha moment, the disciples constantly went and said, where's Jesus? Where did he go? Where, what happened to this guy? Jesus constantly sought silence and solitude. And why did he do that? So we'll walk through what, what we got here. So Jesus seeks solitude. Um, I'm going to read it up there because it's way too small on my screen. Sorry. Sorry about that. So Jesus sat, seeks solitude. So he withdrew often from people, daily life, and his demands of ministry. His ongoing intimate relationship with God was the source of his compassion, wisdom, and power. Seeking solitude and time alone is how he made important decisions, dealt with troubling emotions, prepared for ministry, events, and ultimately his death on the cross. Jesus, I would say, from the studying that I've seen, is our ultimate example of how to seek a deeper relationship with God. And these are some passages, uh, Mark 135. I'll, I'll read a few of them for you, because I, I just think they're, they're, they're worth noting. There are different studies that you can find about um, Jesus and his relationship with the Lord, but it's amazing how many times in Scripture it's noted. So, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And that theme, that action of his, is repeated in every single verse as we walk through there. So, Mark 14, 32, I'll read to you as well. They went to a place called Gethsemane. Get, <laughs> Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. Then he took Peter, James, John along with him, and he began to deeply distress and trouble. Okay. So, what I really, really like about all of that is, it's something that I probably find one of the hardest things to do in my daily life, as you've seen through that schedule. What the world... Where in the world am I going to fit in a piece of solitude time by myself and pray? Between 6.30 in the morning and 11.30 at night. What's it going to look like? I don't have the answer for you, but this is the, what I've been working through. And this is why I showed you that schedule today and what my day looks like. Because this is what it's going to take to have that deeper relationship with the Lord. It's going to take pulling out from this scripture and applying it to my life. So, what can we take away? What's five common aspects from doing a study on these four men? Number one, prayer. The very first thing is prayer. They sought the Lord in prayer. They took the time to worship God. Followed God's word and commands, specifically in the Old Testament. Where did he go? How did, when you, if you ever take the chance to read those five books and you read the first book book, Hezekiah developing, he had a Levitical mentor. He had the prophet Isaiah. 
He went to them often and spent a lot of time reading the Word. That's for us. Reflection. Looking back and looking on the good things and how God provided for these men. And serving others. King David was used as an exile to serve others. He saved cities from invading armies or they were plundered and whatnot. Okay, King Hezekiah served the community, brought back significant prosperity. Jesus, all about service. He would want to go to a solitary place. Crowds would find him. He would step out. He would teach them and heal them. So these five aspects are my observations for you guys, and I'm welcome to open to more of these four men. I think there's honorable mention to more, specifically the disciples, the apostles, and Job. I kind of wanted to go into those, but there's only so much time we have to get something ready, per se. But So prayer, worship, follow God's word and commands, reflection, and serving others are the main lessons, observations that I take from these guys' lives. I'm going to take a quick break from talking about Scripture. I'm going to talk about a term that we all know called habit. The definition of a habit is a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Okay? Now, there are some definitions on how a habit is formed. There's the three R's, is something that you can find online. It's called reminder, routine, and reward creates a habit. Or there's four stages where you have a cue, which is seeing a need or wanting something. Then you have a craving for it. Then there's, then there's a response to it. And then there's a reward at the end. So when a behavior comes along that results in reward at the end, our brain builds a connection between that behavior and the pleasure that can be hard to shake. Okay, so just wanted to define the word habit because there's positive and negative aspects of the word habit. What if we took the definition of the word habit and we made it a habit of, of seeking a deeper relationship with God? What if we looked at those five aspects and considered, I want to make one of these five asset aspects, almost <laughs> said a bad word there, a habit in my life. So, again, habits can be looked at as mostly being a negative thing, but let's think about it as a positive thing. So again, what if we took the approach of seeking to make a habit of prayer, of worship, reading scripture, Reflecting on God's blessings and serving others. These behaviors all come along with the reward of a deeper relationship and walk with God. We can expect peace, comfort, healing, direction, support, love, and encouragement. Any one of those five aspects that we observed in those, those men's lives, by looking to make a habit, again, by having the cue, going through it, and seeing the reward should drive you towards getting there. So again, a habit is formed when the brain builds a connection between that behavior and the pleasure. And once established, it can be hard to give up. One of the most practical examples I have seen um, this happening, 
and he's not here to defend himself, but it's too bad, is Andrew. So I've known Andrew for the days at, at uh, when he was really heavy into his um, weightlifting. He was an absolute like beast of a guy. He's still pretty big and built, but my goodness, you should have seen him when he was competing. I watched him walk into the E-Free Church on a regular basis. I watched uh, Lawrence uh, Schultz um, start to build a relationship there. All of a sudden, saw a total change in Andrew's life, changing the way he walked. He became part of the ministry group at the E-Free Church. And so I watched him go through all this, and then I was uh, looking to get myself in better shape and do something different, so I started training with Andrew every week, once a week. And we were together all the time. And he was in the midst of planting a church. And through that time of us working together, I personally caught the vision that he had for the church and was attracted to what he was doing. And that brought us to Genesis House to join them in a church plant and see it develop and grow. And then we spent time outside of working out. He mentored me for about a year. And what was really, really amazing about Andrew and his walk and what changed him and what he might tell you as well, he sought scripture. He had an undying, um, undying, I'm not a person with good words. He had a strong desire to be in the Word. He had been taught a, scenario, a certain way of bringing out Scripture, and then he met Dan Jansen and had it brought to him another way. And because of that, because of the conflict, he says, I need to figure this out. And so he sought the Word, and he read it regularly. And by doing so, what was the reward? A changed life. Lots of help. Look where he is today and what's walking around him. But this is probably the most practical example, one that speaks to me amazingly, was Andrew made a habit of Scripture. And look, look at the guy today, where he's at and what we're doing, and, and the ministry that we're going on and going down the path on. So spoke to me quite a bit. All of these can be habits in our life if we choose to take on the task. So now I want to talk to you about application. When we're working through scripture and we're trying to pull out what we want, we're looking for observations, lessons, and applications. And as Kevin and I have talked, or Kevin said to me, sometimes we don't spend enough time on application. We got the scripture, we got the lessons, how are we gonna practically walk this through? So I'm probably going to walk through some things that seem like pretty basic and normal, but they spoke to me, and I'm just imparting onto you that hopefully what, what works for me. So five practical suggestions to seek God on a daily basis. The first one, because we named it as such, start your day with prayer. As soon as you open your eyes, you've got your head on your pillow, say good morning to God, and commit your day to Him. It's a really simple practice. And I tell you what, it's a rewarding practice. It gets your day started on the right place. It also puts God first. Acknowledge Him being first. Give Him the day. Then go have a shower. God's got your day. So take a short, scheduled, or unscheduled break with God during the day. It can be one minute. can be ten minutes. can be whatever time you have. Read Proverbs. Read some Psalms, listen to a devotional. Everyone's got data. It's pretty easy to grab something and just listen to it. Praise P&W, praise and worship music. 
that works for me in an, in an incredible way. I love listening to good worship music. I especially love acapella, as, as Evie knows. I, like, I love listening to Evie sing because she can meet all those notes. I can't, so I keep my singing to the truck. So, or take a chapter out of a good book, go for a walk. Um, Adam brought a book when we went camping, a Christian-based book teaching us about different kid aspects. Like, I was distracted doing different things, but she would read a chapter and then she'd give me a cold notes version and help me out. That was awesome. That was great. But don't take a break. Stop in the moment. Seek the Lord. <clears throat> Number three, this comes from John. Keep a regular journal of blessings and items, things that you're thankful for in your life. Take a moment, write it down. Or maybe God's put someone on your heart. In our church, you know they're going through something. What could you do? You could pray for them in the moment, send them a text message, give them a phone call, send them an email. It's God tapping you on the shoulder saying, I'm wanting to use you here. Would you be obedient and seek that person? And it's rewarding so often to have that person come to you. This has happened to me a number of times. They come back to you later in life and say, thank you for that text. Thank you for that prayer. Thank you for showing up. It meant so much to me in the moment. And all you did was just listen to a cue that God gave you. Next, next thing, set a regular time where you can be alone and quiet and commit that time to God. So I just thought of some different things. How about the morning shower? You're enjoying the hot water anyways. Why not take a minute to talk to the Lord and seek Him? You're eating breakfast. Instead of turning up the, the iPhone and looking for the best YouTube or TikTok video that my kids like to watch, um, put it down, seek the Lord. Okay, uh, while you're drinking your coffee, maybe that's your quiet me time. Um, on your drive to work, on your drive from work. That's where, uh, I don't know if any of you ever knew Paul Mitchell, um, when we were in a Berean Bible study with him, that's where he really, when we were talking about this devotion thing and making it better in our lives, that's where he really spoke to me. I'm like, well, that's, that's a really good idea. And just read your Bible. That's God speaking to you. The last one would be that I put on the list, not last for any reason. Seek activities and service with fellow believers. Volunteer. Attend and host a Bible study. Go for coffee. Part-time. Thank you, Evie, for helping with that. Host somebody for a meal. Make them a meal. It's great that we have new babies. There's definitely a need for the family to have meals, so I'll put a plug in there. But any one of us, if you're going through the busyness of a week, and on here you get a phone call and say, are you home? Yep. Okay, I'll be there in five minutes. And on that, in that person's hand is a meal. This is the stuff that gets me. How encouraging is that? Like it's, it just takes you to another level. It makes you call, it's like, this is my brother. <laughs> this is my sister. So, anyways, the other thing that we talked about, and something that a mentor of me talked about, and I didn't put it on the list, was talking to God anytime and anywhere. He called it spiritual breathing. We would walk around the University of Saskatchewan, and it was foreign to me because I'm from this little town, church. We prayed with our eyes closed. We had our hands so we didn't get distracted during church. I go to university and my mentor's walking around, talking to God with his eyes open, just normal voice. 
We're walking around the university and he's talking, praying to God with his eyes open. I know it might not be crazy to you guys, but from my upbringing, I thought, what are we doing here? Everyone's going to see us and know what we're doing. But that was the whole point. It was a ministry. We were talking to others and we were engaging them and asking them questions. Hey, do you know the Lord? That's where that five answer book that came from. We would carry that around and start conversations with friends. Talk to God anytime, anywhere. When you hit your finger and you really want to swear, talk to God. Say, I want to swear right now. Could you just help me with this? Or you might have cussed at that person that cut you off. It's okay. In the moment, we all have those moments. Talk to God. Let it go. Start over. Restore that relationship. My conclusion for you. If you were to pull out the daily schedule and now look at it after what we've talked about today, what would be different? Where in that 6.30 to 11 o'clock schedule are you going to plug the habit that's going to help deepen your relationship with God? So you're welcome to take it out. You're welcome to mark down a few changes if you want to. <clears throat> Reflect on it a little bit. And this could be the first test toward establishing a positive habit that helps deepen your relationship with God.